Uh, this, I'm starting with the commercial message, and that is uh, I really encourage you to uh, look up on your computer or your phone or your watch or whatever, uh, usccb.org. It stands for uh, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, usccb.org, because uh, there's a place when you open it, it says uh, daily scriptures, uh, which refers to the, uh, the scriptures for the Mass each day. And uh, you can click on that and have them sent to your email. So every single day, you're able to take the Word of God that, that the whole church uh, in the world is reading on that day. And it just connects you very deeply with God's Word, and it, it allows you to reflect on that every day or as much as you like. Um, and you can even wander around to days in the future or in the past. Uh, so I say that because I hope that you will all take this word of the scriptures today and re re not just read it again, but pray it. These are, these are scriptures to be prayed. Put your sh your, yourself in the shoes of Eli or in Samuel or uh, of the two uh, disciples that are uh, disciples of John when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, and then they just get up and follow Jesus. Put yourself in their shoes and feel that word and see what it means to you and where it leads you. Now, secondly, I want to say that we could not have found a better opening prayer, especially um, during this, this fragile time. Uh, we've just experienced practically a, a, the beginning of a civil war, and I know that sounds like hyperbole, but it isn't, and I'll refer to it later. But um, this is what we prayed at the beginning of this Mass. Almighty, ever-living God, who governs all things, both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. I just think it's perfect. We, we need the peace of God who governs all things in heaven and earth to come down upon us and touch our lives, touch our history now, touch what's going on. And who better to ask that than Roman Catholics who believe so much in the Word of God, who believe that God does govern all things both in heaven and on earth. So we gather that prayer, we gather ourselves into that prayer. In fact, the, we call that opening prayer the collect because we collect, we collect from our people all of our aspirations, our pleading, and that's part of that prayer today. Now, in this uh, scripture, especially the first reading, we hear this uh, beautiful story of Samuel who will become the link uh, and the lead up to uh, the Davidic line that will produce the Lord. But he is a very important figure and God is calling him. And, and it's, it, there's so many interesting details. First of all, he's sleeping in the temple where the Ark of the Covenant is. That would be like if you said, Father, I don't have a place to sleep and um, I would be glad to watch the church and take care of it. Can I sleep in the church? And if you were a person who really believed in the presence of the Eucharist, Christ in the Eucharist and that you slept right near the tabernacle, that's what he was doing, sleeping in the presence of the Lord. So God starts calling him, Samuel, Samuel. So he thinks it's Eli calling him. So he runs to his guide, Eli. Yes, uh, here I am. What do you want? He says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. So he does it. Three times he does it. So the third time when he says to Eli, here I am. What do you want? And then Eli finally gets it. Neither of them got it up to that point. Even Eli. Ah, something's going on here. 
He said, you go back. When you hear that voice again, you say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. What do you want from me? So he does it. He hears it again. And then he does what's so important in our experience of God in our life. You see, the call of God is not just like to become a priest or to get married to this person or that one. It, it is to every single day open our ears, the ears of our heart, and listen to God calling us because he's calling us not just once in a lifetime or once a day. It's all day long. He calls us to compassion. He calls us to justice. He calls us to peace. He calls us to love. He calls us to guide one another. He calls us to forgive. He calls us to ask for forgiveness. All this stuff is going on. This is God working deep in our spirit. It's not magical. It's not mechanical. It's spiritual. And it's as this connection with God that is so real that deep in our spirit, we, we find ourselves motivated Sometimes to do things that we'd never th thought we would do. 51 years ago, yesterday I said 61, which made me nine years old or something, I think. But 51 years ago, I was uh, uh, in my first year, uh, last year of college, and um, we had a program called Field edu Education. This is typical for people in ministry, where you would do a specific work of field education. One year I taught religion in a nearby parish and CCD and whatever. But my last year, I uh, worked at Juvenile Hall in Ventura. Once a week, I'd go and visit the, the incarcerated, talk to them, listen to them, share the scriptures, uh, pray with them. And it was, uh, it was an education for me, and it really was an education for me. I was very much a middle-class white man, who a uh, young man who... Uh, Never had experienced people incarcerated and all that, and it was a little scary at first and exciting and weird and everything. So I met this guy, Andre, and um, he was very interesting, very <clears throat> almost charismatic. He was very alive, bright, but undereducated, um, and, and he, uh, he, he had, had n nothing but trouble in his life, in and out of juvenile hall. Uh, he had uh, lots of brothers and sisters, all of them by a different father, same mother. Um, he had been severely abused as a child, and he just was a mess, but he was bright. He, he just was undereducated, but bright. And I really liked talking to him. He was very interesting, and he was very open. And although he wasn't super religious, that is, tied to a religion, he was very spiritual. Turns out later I found out he looked... Mexican, but he was American Indian and black, but just an interesting character. So I was in contact with him. I'd go back and I'd always visit him. He'd always ask for me. And one day the counselor that watched the ward there said to me, you know, you're wasting your time. He's never going to make it. This one's going to be it for life. He's, he's never going to make it. And I thought, oh my God, you're a counselor and you have no sense of redemption or possibility for change. But he Told me that straight out. Well, he is in jail right now. He uh, was sentenced for 25 years, um, a third strike. And the first two, I think, were drug-related or whatever. But the third one, uh, he was not in the wrong. Uh, uh, he, uh, he had his, uh, something stolen from him. When he went to get it back, the girl uh, called the police and said that, that he attempted to hurt her or whatever. And, and because it was a third strike, it, it doesn't matter what it was. Jaywalking can get you in jail with a third strike. 
So he went to prison for 25 years. He's in his 18th year, I believe. And last year, he reconnected with me on and off for many years, but, but I hadn't heard from him for some time. And he reconnected in a letter and uh, worst printing writing you could ever imagine. Oh my God, he's just superbly undereducated, but bright. And he had done something that I had never seen him do in all of his years. He'd, he'd done the work to heal. So while in prison, he got into therapy groups and, and, uh, and he read, read, read books, books books by Bradshaw and Healing the Inner Child, he discovered so much about himself. He forgave his mother, who he had to do because she was the primary um, uh, person who had allowed so much to happen to him unwittingly. But he did the work. And he says, he confesses, I'm not perfect. He says, "And and I hurt a lot often, and I'm so easily dragged back into it, but I have tools now that I never had before. I have understanding I never had before. So um, I just recently, this week, in fact, got a letter from him, and he said uh, that, that Mr. Gascon, our new DA of Los Angeles, has opened up the opportunity for people to get um, re... Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, resentenced. So he's, he's working on the paperwork, and he asked me to write a letter of of um, recommendation. So I did. I wrote it yesterday and I uh, sent it off to him with a letter to him and uh, he's now got the paperwork. He's going to begin the processing. Uh, I'm very excited for him. But then I thought to myself afterward, I said, wow, Perry Dean Liker, you are so blessed. 51 years ago you met this person, you had an influence in his life, and, and it's still there. It's still working. It's, I still have a chance to, to to be of some service or help to him, and he's full of gratitude, and we have this connection that goes way back. If he gets out, he wants to go to uh, the, the place where his ancestors came from in South Dakota to a reservation and, and help his people there. He's just so highly motivated. But who would have ever thought that 51 years ago in a field education class, I happened to make a connection that I still am being called to do something. That's how it works. And not just for me, and not because I'm a priest. I wasn't a priest at the time. But every one of us is called to these things. And I'll bet you every one of you has some kind of a story of somebody you influenced 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Somebody that you touched, their life, that you made a difference. And, and somebody that has done the same for you, for me. I can say he did as much for me as I could ever do for him. He opened my eyes and made me so much more aware. I saw trust like I never saw with somebody. Why would he trust me? But he did. So today we hear these scriptures. And I think they're really asking of us to recognize that we're all like Samuel. God is calling. He wants to work in us and through us and allow others to work in our lives. And, and when called, we have to make the response. First of all, we have to recognize the voice. I mean, it took Samuel three times. He kept running, what do you want, Eli? What do you want, Eli? I didn't call you. Get out of here. I didn't call you. But finally, Eli, a guide, said to him, ah, I know what's going on. Next time, say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. 
And he does it, and his life just opens up completely. In the gospel, and maybe this is even a, a better description of it, because it's, it's, it comes in layers. There's John the Baptist, and two of John's disciples are standing by him, and John sees Jesus walk by, and he says those famous words, Ah, oh, look, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And immediately, John's two disciples just start to follow Jesus. That was enough. John pointed at him out, and they followed. So Jesus turns around and says, What are you doing? And they said, um, Where do you stay, Lord? Where do you stay? He said, Come and see. So because John pointed them out, they followed. Then Jesus engaged them and asked what they wanted. Well, where do you stay? Come and see. So they did. And they went off with Jesus about four in the afternoon, the gospel says, and they stayed with him that day. And, and their lives were changed. So one of them, Andrew, goes back to his brother, Simon, and he says, we found the Messiah, the Christ. And immediately, just on the word of his brother, Simon goes to see Jesus too. And then Jesus calls him, and this is important, he gives him a new name. You see, naming people, it's kind of like if, even if you give a nickname to somebody, uh, you say to somebody, hey, you're cutie. Hey, sugar pie. Hey, honey bun. Or as, as someone I know says, calls her husband, stud muffin. Stud muffin. Whatever. Naming somebody and making that connection. Jesus gives him a name. And we know what happens to Peter. Isn't this how it works? Little ways like this. Uh, I wonder how many of you have children, even adult children, who maybe have gone astray or gotten lost or, or aren't connected anymore. And not just like things like church, but with God, with their own inner self, their own inner peace, and you hurt for them? Well, rather than harangue, you might point and, and call and just ask, how are you doing, honey? How, how are you doing? What do you need? How can I help you? Have you turned to God and asked? Grandchildren. Nephews, nieces, neighbors, friends, enemies, enemies, anybody. And during this horrific time where people have lost their peace and people are, are scared, do we believe in a God that governs all things both in heaven and earth? And if we do, we are important Samuels right now. If we believe that God governs all things both in heaven and earth, we have some work to do. We have some Andres to meet. We have some pointing to do. Look, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God. We have some instruction to give. When you hear his voice, say, here I am. What do you want from me? I come to do your will. Today, this, this thanks be to God, the very beginning of our ordinary time, calling us back to recognize who this God is in our lives and what he is capable of doing in us and for us and through us. And all we have to do is first listen, recognize, and then say, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will.